Passage Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. School is back in session, and so is Bass Edge Radio. That's right. We're kicking it up right here on the September 1st episode, Aaron. There's a change in the air. School's back. What's that mean? It means fall, so things are progressing in through the end of 2018. Sounds a little funny to say, but we know that things are changing. Yeah, hard to believe. And speaking of things changing, a change in this one is that you did not sing. I'm almost, I don't know whether to be shocked or disappointed (laughs) or happy, but uh, regardless, as As always, Bass Edge episode number 287 is brought to you by our good friends at MegaWare Keel Guard. Be sure to put on the protection the pros pick with the first do-it-yourself keel protector. You can visit them at keelguard.com. Kurt, a lot has changed uh, since the last time won the weather, but also a pretty major event that took place between our last taping. Yeah, the FLW Cup took place and uh man what a finale the fishing was tough there wasn't big weights you know you hear a lot of talk on the internet and people talking about Wachita and how it was uh tough on the anglers but geez louise clint davis huge comeback snuck into the top 10 by an ounce and then made the charge to win the championship man we got to give a shout out to clint davis that was an amazing win an amazing comeback and just loved his approach loved everyone's approach bass had his own james niggemeyer you know been a long long time friend finished second place we're actually going to hear from james later on in the interview so we're looking forward to that and of course aaron we continue our streak when we have somebody on the show they generally catch him and nick lebrun from the last episode we talked to him right before the cup began and he was able to lock down a fourth place finish top five for nick lebrun so uh it was a lot of fun i was there the entire time. Great crowds right there in Hot Springs. I thought it was a great venue. Obviously, the lake fished a little bit tough, but as far as the way the expo and the venue for the weigh-in was all basically in the same building and uh, hot springs is just a great little town man so uh, i had a ton of fun and it was a huge event for flw lots of fun to watch yeah great city actually the first time i met james was down there on wachita so uh, i second what you're saying you know i would encourage all of our listeners if you have not had a chance yet go back to episode number 286 and listen to nick talk and you will quickly realize why he was able to win the All-American but then also post that kind of numbers. I mean, that's impressive, Kurt. You know, for a guy that comes out of kind of the BFL Costas and to throw up a fourth place finish at one of two major tournaments that's out there, that's pretty strong. You yeah. gotta give that a shout out. You bet. You know, Nick's no joke. He announced that he's gonna be fishing the FLW Tour right here on Bass Edge Radio. He talked about it on the weigh-in stage there at the Cup, so, um, you know, I'm looking for big things coming from Nick, but as we continue right here on Bass Edge Radio. We're looking for some more big things, and we've got them right here with a tackle tip from protecttheharvest.com. The 
protectthehartvest.com tackle tip with collegiate angler Dylan Harrell. So the versatility of a straight tail worm is something that I keep in my arsenal at all times. And one of the best that I've found is the Excite Baits Slim X worm. You can rig that thing on a Carolina rig. You can rig it on a shaky head. I like to use the Excite Baits X-Lock shaky head. It's got a firm hook on it. and It's got a flat head on it so that it doesn't get hung in rocks. You can use it on you know, a Texas rig. And one of my favorite ways to use it is on a wacky style. You can get you some Hayabusa hooks with a weed guard on it or just a straight bear hook, and you can rig it wacky style. I like to fish that around boat docks, standing timber, or uh, floating boat docks, or, or really any kind of structure I see. Great tip. Thanks, Dylan. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine Products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. to this segment of Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, we're going to talk a little fish in here late summer, early fall, like we mentioned, school back in session. Maybe some bass starting to get schooling in session here shortly, <laughs> too. But before we do, I was amazingly impressed with, you know, my visit there at ICAST, as we talked about in the um, last episode. You know, I got to mention real quick, you know, we talk about MegaWare Keel Guard all the time. We cannot forget Pontoon Guard, Skeg Guard, Skeg Pro, Scuff Buster, Flex Step Pro, lots of stuff going on with the MegaWare organization. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, certainly want to encourage everybody, those videos that you did while at ICAST, be sure to visit our Facebook page, the Bass Edge Facebook page, and you can see those videos with the product up close and personal, talking to one of the owners, and that is Ryan, right there to go through the benefits and features of each of those products. But yeah, you knocked it out of the park on that. And I think it's always great when you can see something on video versus just hearing you and I kind of blabber on about it and the other thing kurt is as we've mentioned many times uh, there's a way to save a little bit of money that's right you can go get your products right there on megaware's website and you get 15 percent off all you got to do is enter the bass edge b-a-s-s-e-d-g-e all run together in the promo code and again you're going to get that 15 percent off any megaware products that you buy online so be sure to do that aaron as promised talking fishing man you know something that's really important this time of year that we need to probably dive into a little bit thermocline let's talk about thermocline how it's going to set up for this time of year what it means 
it's a bass behavior. Well, in my experience, I, although, you know, I'm certainly not a biologist, but the thermocline is critical. As you mentioned, the days are getting shorter, right? The nights, at least in my neck of the woods, are cooling off a little bit. There's less sunlight, so that water is starting to cool down, but that thermocline still plays a major, major role. And we're talking about kind of where it's the stratification of oxygen in the water. That's really kind of the scientific term, and it's where those bass can find the most comfort, which if the bass are finding comfort, really the entire food chain with the schools of bait fish, those type of things. So, you know, take for instance, kind of the lake that I've spent the most time on, which is probably Table Rock. You know, normally there is a very defined thermocline, and there's two options really that I'm targeting this time of year. One is taking a big worm or a big crankbait, kind of going out on some of those ledges. The reason why it's called Table Rock is because you have these table-like rocks that step off of these bluffs, and you can go and throw a big worm or a crankbait along those edges, find that thermocline, generally kind of in that 18 to 25 foot range. This year, that deal hasn't worked not only for myself, but for a lot of guys who are very, very proficient doing that. Where the action has been, Kurt, has been going more out off of those long tapering gravel points. You can find the bait fish and the bass are literally just big, big schools of bass are right under those schools of bait fish and you set over them, do some drop shotting, you know, vertical type fishing. And those are the type of schools that you can really follow all the way into the wintertime. Explain to us how we're going to find the thermocline. Obviously, it's a depth zone, as you mentioned, with the oxygen depleting below it. So the bait fish and fish will kind of hover in that area because that's where the coolest water is, where the still good oxygen content is. So how do you go about finding where that thermocline clients located? Well, there again, there's certainly people that's way better than me. My experience, what I tend to lean on is going to be where I'm seeing the big balls of bait. And that's what I'm using kind of as my tip off now with the electronics and with Lowrance and, and some of the great things that the carbons provide me. You know, you can certainly see that based upon your sensitivity settings and kind of the coloration that shows up actually on the graph. But more times than not, I kind of throw all that out the window. And once I find where those big baits schools are holding and you start seeing two or three schools like that, that's pretty much going to hold consistent for that area of the lake that I'm in. So that's how I go about it. Are there other tricks, Kurt, that you've put into place? Well, definitely. You know, you mentioned it, the Lowrance and showing some of those color separations and the way that you find those colorations, how you can see that thermocline on your Lowrance is by jacking up the sensitivity. Jack up the sensitivity more than you would be if you were just, you know, looking at typical color cover or bottom contour or bait that you're looking for, what you have to do is jack up that sensitivity. So let's say the sensitivity is set on our auto mode, which, you know, these units these days, you don't really ever have to go into manual mode when you're just fishing. You just keep it on that auto mode and it's going to adjust the sensitivity correctly based on, you know, feedback that the unit's getting. But what you want to do is add sensitivity. So I usually like to go to a plus five, even sometimes a plus 10. What that is is going to do is show you those shaded lines and it's going to give you a shaded line and a break in the water column where that thermocline is located. So that's how you want to locate it with your electronics. Secondarily, I want to mention real quick, what does this whole thermocline mean? Yes, yeah, sure. There's fish all over the water column, but that thermocline is an area where it's almost like a piece of cover, quite frankly, when you're fishing those elongated points, like you're talking about, you know, um, on table rock or somewhere you know similar to that and as you mentioned a lot of people are catching fish like that right now is you can fish 
and almost eliminate all the water below the thermocline. But where those fish will hold on those long points is right where the thermocline meets the bottom. So what I mean by that is if you're in 35 foot and the thermocline is in 28, then you know you don't have to worry too much about what's going on in that 35 foot range because a lot of your bass aren't going to be in that section. But when you know that that thermocline's around that 25, that's say 28 zone, where that land meets the thermocline depth, that's where you're going to find the biggest concentrations of your fish. That's where you really want to isolate, locate, and utilize your graph to find the actual fish in those areas or make sure that you're fishing that depth zone because that's where your highest concentrations of fish are going to be. So that's great advice. Great advice right there. And I always knew you were an oversensitive guy. (laughs) You got to jack up the sensitivity. That's the way you do it. That's That's right. right. We're going to talk to a guy that uh, probably isn't that sensitive right now. He's still probably on a little bit of cloud nine over the last couple weeks since he finished second at the FLW Cup. We're going to check in with Bass Edge longtime friend, James Nigemeyer, right here coming up on the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This is FLW Tour Pro Chris Johnson. I'm BASS Elite Series Pro Matt Heron. This is Lucas Oil Pro Bill McDonald. This is Texas Roadhouse Pro John Hunter. This is FLW Tour Pro Todd Hollowell. Hang in there. More Bass Edge Radio is coming right up. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. This episode, we have the runner-up of the 2018 FLW Forestwood Cup, Shallow Water Guru. We talked to him just a few months ago as he started his inaugural season on the FLW Tour. He rode his strength the entire event, again, to a second-place finish at the Forestwood Cup. Welcome back to the show, our great friend, James Nigemeyer. Thank you, Kurt and Aaron. This is great. I, I, you know, we last time we talked, we said, let's not make it so long between times that I'm able to come on uh, Bass Edge. And so this is great. Thanks for having me. James, all I can say is, wow, congratulations on an outstanding event. I was reminiscing while I was watching those standings a couple weeks back and seeing kind of how you were progressing through the leaderboard. And I couldn't help but think way back to August of several years ago. It was actually be prior to the first time that you and I formally met, but you and I fished an event there on Awachita, which was the BFL Regional. And you ended up winning that one. My understanding is it was perhaps a little bit different style that you employed this time, but here you are right at the top yet again in one of the largest, most competitive tournament events out there. How has that sense of accomplishment been for you to have two events on this body of water at high levels and done very, very well in both? I'm thinking about moving up to like maybe Mount Ida or <laughs> there around like hot, hot springs and Lake Washington. <laughs> no, I, I really like it up there. And yes, it, it is a huge sense of accomplishment, including the Bassmaster Club. Classic. This is like my fourth time at a tour level championship and the, absolutely the highest finish that I've had. And definitely the sense of accomplishment is there. To do well at that level on that kind of a stage is really special. It's a huge blessing. And it was really enjoyable despite the fact that it was really difficult to get a bite in two different patterns from the 
the BFL regional to this Forestwood Cup. But I, I like that lake, and it, it reminds me a lot of the lakes on the Colorado River out west that I've fished in the past. Well, James, it wouldn't be proper if we didn't obviously congratulate Clinton Davis. And although you finished second, there really can't be too much that you're regretting in this event, is there? No, not at all. Kudos to Clint. He had posted her on Facebook right before the cutoff. He was there for several days. He did his homework. He spent the time. He found, apparently, those brush piles. I don't know if he found them in the cut before the cutoff, but he did the homework. He made it happen. And the biggest bag of the tournament by far. I mean, he just, congratulations to him. He did a tremendous job. My hat's off to him. Yeah, it was kind of like one of those deals where it was his time, it worked out for him, and it was your time to shine too. Dude, you had a great event. I was in the hotel. I was there at the event, in the hotel room, cheering you on, and and just super excited to watch you up there on FLW Live. It was a lot of fun. Let's jump into the pattern that you worked to expose and root to your runner-up finish. We've heard a lot about how you fished. What were some of the things that you really felt like were key ingredients other than you know obviously your buzz bait and your bait and kind of your wits about how you fished but uh, what were some of the key things you felt like really enabled you to finish so high and perform well in this event well i think some of the key things were the fact that i didn't get a lot of bites during practice i would think that's not a good sign and you know that's typically true you want to get a lot of good bites and establish something but what really happened was i had basically two almost three areas where i felt like, okay, there's fish in these areas. And not only have I visually seen them, but I've been bit in these areas. And what it enabled me to do was basically turn off the rest of the lake and other zones in the lake, the deeper and the mid-range and everything else, and really just focus, just put all my eggs in that one basket and have that kind of a laser beam focus. And I think Gerald Swindle said one time, a man with not a lot of options in a tournament is a dangerous person. You know, he can do really well when he just has that one thing to kind of rely upon. And I think that has a lot to do with it as well. And coming into it, I had researched past cups there. I got on YouTube and watched FLW's show for the cup and just watched the different patterns and different things and how guys did and what they were doing. And so it really helped me to kind of narrow my search. And I knew there was a deep bite and I knew there was a shallow bite. But myself being a shallow water fisherman, I said, this is the way I'm going to go. And just thankful that it all worked out. And it was by no means easy, but in the end, it was a lot of fun and really a blessing. James, I'm real interested. You know, it's hard to tell watching on FLW Live how fast you were fishing. You know, you talked about covering a lot of water. Give us a general sense of what that means. How much water were you covering? Did you run around between areas? Were you concentrating on back pockets, main lake, creeks? Kind of give us some of the details in that if you could. The way that Washita kind of sets up, you have these main feeder stems or feeder creeks, if you will, and then they have branches that come off of it. And then off each branch has another splinter of little smaller branches that cut off and shoot off of them. And for the most part, I was just focusing on a couple of areas, and it was like these two areas that I found that had life in them. You could see the bluegill. And when I caught bass in practice, I would see one following the other fish to the boat, and there was baby bass everywhere. And so I was working a large area, but a specific creek arm, and I would fish 
just everything that I could. But as far as the speed goes, I would have my speed, anything ranging on my trolling motor from, say, five on that Minn Kota Ultrex to about seven and a half. And one of the things that I noticed was if you were going to get a bite, it was going to happen within the first five or six turns of the handle. Once that buzz bait hit the surface and you started the retrieve, it was going to happen pretty quick. I had a couple that hit about halfway to back to the boat, but mostly it was close proximity to the shore and very early into the retrieve because those fish were pushing those bluegills up there. They were really shallow. I actually saw one that was in about a foot or a foot and a half of water with his face pointing straight at the bank. He didn't even know I was there, but he was looking at bluegill on bed and he was just waiting for one of them to step out of line and blast them. And that gave me kind of the mental thought of, okay, what are these fish doing? How are they positioned? What's going on? They're looking at the bank. They're waiting for something to come off the bank and they would just crush it. And the thing about that hot water, their metabolisms are really high, but they could see a long distance you know, because the water's so clear. There's great visibility on Lake Washita. And so they could see that buzz bait and come and get it. And I actually saw one the first day of the tournament. Actually, it was my first keeper. I was in the back of a pocket, and I was reeling that buzz bait pretty quick. And I see out of my peripheral this fish coming off from the left. And I thought he was little, but, I mean, he was just like a laser. He was moving so fast. And I'm like, this guy's going to get it. And he just blew up on it. And I hooked him, and I started reeling him. Oh, it's maybe a keeper. He turned out being a two-pounder, but he came from a long distance and fast to come get it. And that gave me some more insight. These fish, they had a, a large strike zone area, and because of the hot water, they were very aggressive. Well, with that being said, James, did you ever have the desire to kind of venture out into the deeper water during the slower times? No, I pretty much just put the deep water thing out of my mind. I knew that that was going to take a great deal of time to locate those special little sweet spots out there, and I didn't take the time before the cutoff. I went up there for about two days and kind of looked around more than anything. And I, I said, if I'm going to have a chance to win with guys that are so good at fishing deep, like your Brian Thrift and Mark Rose and Scott Martin and Clint Davis and those guys, if I'm going to have a chance to win, I need to fish my strength. And so I, I really never gave deep fishing a chance. Yeah. You know, Kurt had mentioned a couple times about FLW Live and kind of thinking back to what I noticed, and it was really, really neat to see. And of course, Kurt and I have been around you a lot, but I want the rest of Bass Edge Nation to kind of understand who you are. And it was seeing you on FLW Live, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but almost reassuring yourself of what you needed or wanted to be doing to get you to that that place where you found yourself at the end of the tournament. Is that something that you typically do or was it focused because talking out your thoughts, you know, more to the bass fishing world on camera or, or kind of maybe explain that a little bit? Yes, uh, clearly the camera is something that um, focuses you to kind of share your thoughts, what's going on in your head and just kind of share that with everybody, just verbally lay out basically what's going through your head through the whole event, both in the mechanical part and the mental part. And I do think that in sharing that, in verbalizing what's going on in my head, there was this reassurance of it. My wife tells me that I'm a verbal processor and that I find my way to my end result or the direction I want to go, basically talking myself through it. And I think that really helped. But also, I think I might have shared this during the FLW Live. We don't have coaches. We need to be our coach. And I have on and off over the years really tried to make a conscious effort to coach myself during the tournament. 
but it's not as easy as it seems because typically you have someone else in the boat and you're kind of like trying to think your way through these things, but also, well, you know, James, you can do this or James, this maybe isn't the best. Where are you now? What needs to happen for you to do better? And are there any decisions that need to be made? You know, just trying to walk yourself through those things mentally. I definitely think verbalizing him was helpful. I tell you what, Aaron, that was a great question. And James, I couldn't be more in tune with the way you went with that answer and how you felt. I felt that while I was watching FLW Live, watching you fish. And I see this sometimes in my own experience too. I'll just throw this out there real quick. When I'm guiding and I'm teaching someone fundamentals of fishing and how it works, I tend to lead myself right into what I need to be doing to be successful, to show another angler maybe how to be successful. And it's not because I just do it. It's because I talk myself into what I need to be doing, to following those fundamentals. And quite honestly, after watching you on FLW Live and thinking and processing this, and we talk about all this mental approach, you know, Jay McNamara has a great book that we talk about all the time here on Bass Edge Radio, but I feel like maybe this is something that we should all put into our repertoire. Actually talking out loud, physically speaking of what we're trying to do, why we're doing it, not only just pumping ourselves up, but just to follow that success. I feel like it can create a new awareness for anglers to actually verbalize this stuff all the time. And someone's going to think I'm crazy. But no, it's kind of like self, just self-evaluation, but you have to also, yes. also be honest with yourself, right, James? Yeah. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. I really think you're onto something there, Kurt and Aaron. Being able to kind of, you know, have what's on your mind out there in the open to kind of decipher through things is important. I definitely think that uh, verbalizing it, I've done the same thing with some of my guide trips on Lake Fork. I've said, well, you know, I feel like the fish set up this way and why they're setting up on this side is because, you know, the sun kind of cast this way and this is the, actually the shade edge down here or whatever it is. And it kind of helps and I'm like, well, then if that's really true and that's what you're saying, James, why aren't you positioned the boat this way? And then I maybe make just a small, subtle adjustment based on what I know the truth is, but I haven't really been walking it all out. And so, yeah, I definitely think verbalizing that is definitely a huge key and, and maybe something I need to do a little bit more of. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think thinking it is one thing, but physically verbalizing it, I think brings even more justification to the process, quite honestly. I, I think I'm going to be fishing down the lake next year and I'm going to be talking to myself. My marshal's going to think I'm crazy. The guy I'm fishing <laughs> next to is going to be like, dude, what's up with Dove? And, and I'm going to catch more fish, period. I just think that's the way it's going to go. I remember watching one time Mike Iaconelli was fishing a tournament, and he was going out on the day, and he said, every fish, every bite is coming into the boat today. Every bite is coming into the boat. I'm going to put all of every bites coming in, you know, and he was like, he was talking, he was verbalizing that out, but he was, he was coaching himself yeah. is what he was doing. That's yeah. stuff. So you finished second. We'd be crazy not to look at, Anytime we have success or failure, look back of self-improvement moving into the future. The easy thing to do is I finished second. I'm on top of the world. Uh, you know, I did everything I could. Clint Davis caught a monstrosity bag <laughs> to uh, win the event. Otherwise, you know, James Nickemeyer is your Force Wood Cup champion 2018. But it didn't work out that way. But that's neither here nor there. What's really important is how do you learn from your success for continued self-improvement moving into the future? Well, continuing along the same vein, you know, verbalizing our stuff out and going 
mental and, and the mental stuff, I really feel like the mental aspect is exactly what I need to continue to work on. I don't know if we're ever at a place where like, oh yeah, I got that figured out. But I believe being mentally tough is a huge key to success. And not just on the water, because you know, you're gonna have those ups and downs. We talk about a lot about in, in tournament fishing momentum. Momentum's such a big factor. Momentum's not the factor. We feel confident and things are going well that we're mentally in a in a better place because things are right in your head. You know, you've got things kind of going on. And I feel like when things are going well, it's easier to believe that things are going to go well. And that's kind of fits into that whole momentum thing. But I really do feel like that's the thing that I continue to work on in, in myself, both personally and professionally as a fisherman, you know, on the water and off the water. But just getting things right, if we can win that battle between the ears, I really feel like that's what makes some of the true legends of our sport different from a lot of the rest of us because let's face it at the tour level the competition is so stiff you know, everyone can do all these techniques and they know how to locate and catch fish but what really separates a lot of guys i think and something i definitely want to work on going into the future is my mental game well fellas we've been drifting along right here we're gonna power pull down take a quick moment for a break hang tight we're gonna be back in a jiffy Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. We are returning, and I almost feel like we need to say that this segment is brought to you in part by The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing Book by Dr. Jay McNamara, given what we've been talking about. But in fact, it's actually brought to us by Mercury Go Boldly, returning with a 2018 FLW Cup runner-up, James Negemeyer in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil, high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for their entire product lineup. It works. James, I could talk to you all day about your success at the Cup, and we will continue to talk about that at other times off the air because I was just so excited. But we want to look into some early September fishing strategies that anglers need to be on the watch for. Let's start with the next phase of change that you're typically going to see in fishing patterns this time of year. Typically, what I see this time of year is that deep bite starting to be tougher and tougher to uh, be consistent on. And as you move into September, it seems like that shallow, more shad or bait oriented really starts to kick into high gear. And a lot of shallow power fishing really starts to come in, you know, your square bills and your spinner baits and buzz baits and walking baits. And that's something that I really like. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to catch any deep, but it seems like the fish really start to suspend more and more and more. And they begin to follow the bait away from the bottom bottom out on the main lake and start to go into creeks and sometimes they don't even get into the creeks they stay on main lake points and little pockets and coves and different things like that but it becomes more of a shallow type thing i think you know naturally that thermocline breaks up sometime in august and then as we move into september and those types of things you have the turnover and so it just makes it where there's such a mixing of the water where it seems like the shallow or the upper portion of 
the water column is where fish want to be and where a lot of things happen. And um, one of my favorite times of year, honestly, I really like September. One of the things you're not going to see in September, in my opinion, is really big fish catches. You're typically going to see days where you go out and catch 15 or 20, and a lot of them won't even be two pounds. But you're getting a lot of bites, and there's a lot of fish at, you know, there's fish blowing up on shad, and there's schooling activity, and it, that just gets stronger and stronger. In my opinion, that's kind of what happens in this next phase going into September. It's a great time to be out there, starting to get a little cooler in some places across the country. But September, truthfully, one of the toughest months in the August and September, one of the toughest months overall, just because the big fish are hard to catch. And a lot of times you'll catch a lot of little dinks, not even keepers, but they're still fun. You get out there, have a good time throwing baits that are a lot of fun to catch them on. And that's kind of what I see moving forward. Well, James, Kurt and I spent uh, kind of the beginning segment of this show talking about those very things, the thermocline and the turnover and, you know, just the difficulty this time of year. So when you factor that in, you know, and, and the oxygen is scattered throughout the water column in the lake and fish almost kind of seem confused in a way. What are your best alternatives when things aren't necessarily going the way perhaps that you would like them to do? What are your go-to strategies? Some of the things are to get way back in some of the major tributaries on a reservoir or way up the river on the feeder end. Basically, what I try to get to places where those fish don't have the opportunity to suspend. When they suspend, they're so hard to pinpoint. And because the water's so warm, it's like they're right here. And then 20 seconds later, they're behind you on that point. Or maybe they're a totally different group of fish, but they're over here on this point blowing up. And those fish that were right in front of you that you were thrown to are completely on. And they're in the middle of the water column. They're everywhere and in between. And if I can get to a more compressed water column, like up a river, up a creek, in those shallow zones where there's even a little bit more color, I think one of the things that makes it so tough this time of year, you have such hot water and the water's clear or clearest of the whole year because you don't have a lot of rain. There's the drawdown, natural evaporation. The lake's probably at its lowest point of the year before fall rains come in and start to fill things back up and add a little bit more color to the water. The fish are keyed in on a specific bait size. So for me, getting in a little bit more stained water, getting in a little shallower environment, of course, that's something that I like to do anyways, because I just love to fish shallow. But I think no better time than that period for, you know, August and into September is when you want to go to the bank and try to fish some of those shallow areas. And it really helps to have a confined spot where you're like, okay, they're here and there's the deepest water is five feet. So, you know, if you get running a, a medium running crankbait, you've got a captive audience. They're not out there in 20 feet. You've got them really positioned and you can kind of pinpoint where they're going to be. Not only that, but a little color of the water also uh, makes them less apt to run around and be free swimming out in the middle of the cove too. That's a great breakdown, James. Really makes a lot of sense. It's time to break out some questions from the listeners. This segment brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Cliff Winders. Cliff asks, what is the best advice you can give someone with limited resources to compete with guys with $10,000 worth of electronics and 50 rods and reels ready to go? Man, that's a great question. And I do, I'm really starting to think like this is the mental approach segment. But yeah, I really feel like a guy has to tune that out. Whether you're fishing at the high school level or on a Tuesday night at your local lake, there's always going to be some guy that shows up and has got more toys than everybody else. And there's going to be the guy that shows up that has more accolades than everybody else. And if we focus so much on 
that guy or what that guy has or what he's done and different things like that. We have a tendency to not think about what we need to do. I think just to really put that out of your head and the guy that has the most stuff doesn't always win. It really reminds me of the time my first couple of years on the Elite Series and Steve Kennedy had an older model Ranger. And I want to say he had like a 200 horsepower, no doubt the slowest boat in the whole field. Never stopped that guy from being in a monster bag. I mean, he would just be like, you just see, oh, there's Steve, you know, and everybody like, wah, 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 every, you know, all the, everyone's got a 20 footer with a 250 with all the greatest and latest stuff on the boats. And Steve had two depth finders, trolling motor, and an older model Ranger. And he just caught them everywhere they went. That really showed me at that point. I was like, really? He's not even getting to some of these other areas before everybody else but he's still able to catch fish and be very competitive. So that, that would be my advice. It's sometimes not the easiest thing to do, but that's what I would suggest. Well, James, I love that answer because obviously we all have an affinity for the guys. The three of us were all there, you know, the kids with a, you know, a handful of tackle and a, and a rod and reel to go fish for whatever bit the end of our line. So a great answer and, and a very, very good answer to helping Cliff kind of put that at ease. So Cliff, we need one more thing from you, and that is to contact us through any of our social media or send us an email support at bassedge.com or simply log on to bassedge.com click that claim your prize section and give us your mailing address and we are going to hook you up with a one-year subscription to bass angler magazine one of the great publications that actually is going to ultimately take your fishing iq to the next level and as always a reminder to bass edge listeners keep firing in those questions to the show log on to bassedge.com fill it out on our website or just easily shoot us an email support at BassEdge.com. Also getting questions all the time through our social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, James, I'm going to throw this out. Since it worked the last time, let's try this again. Don't wait so long to get back on Bass Edge Radio, and maybe it will help increase your bank account by saying that, and certainly you can enlighten uh, Bass Edge Nation with some more great wisdom. But in all seriousness, before we get out of here, any closing thoughts? Really, uh, I think um, I was really impressed with my marshal the first day at the Cup. He's 17 years old, and and he was extremely knowledgeable about how things work in the sport of bass fishing. He told me he fishes like 26 high school tournaments a year. I mean, I was very impressed with this young man. His first name is Maddox. And um, I believe he lives over around Lake Lanier. And he fished a couple of FLW tour events as a co-angler. And um, it's just a real neat time in our sport with just how excited young people are about bass fishing. I really got a chance to meet this young man. And, and I was impressed. And I, I see him going play in our sport. He was definitely a pleasure to have in the boat. And I also have a, a friend here locally who's got two fine young men that, that are 16 and 17, I believe, and they're fishing high school stuff. And to see them have their success and getting out there and their dad spending a bunch of time with them and people that are being boat captains and just that whole environment that for all of us, you, Aaron, Kurt, and myself, we didn't have when we were growing up. I just think That's it's right. a neat thing and it's an exciting time to be involved in bass fishing. Our sport's really in a great place. Couldn't have said it better, James. We are going to send you off with our final segment, four last questions for you. What is your favorite tournament week meal? Either barbecue brisket or taco salad. And your current 
favorite musical artist? Well, if I want to get kind of pumped up and I want something you know energetic, I would say Andy Minio. Or if I want something that's a little a little more mellow or low key, something from maybe Hillsong United. Very nice. And best day of the week? Sunday. Because if I'm home, I'm at church with the family. And if I'm at a tournament, hopefully I'm on day four <laughs> making <laughs> <the> cut, <laughs> fishing on championship Sunday. I love it. And what 2019 event is already pinging on your radar? Well, I love the fact that Sam Rayburn is on the FLW tour schedule. And so I'm excited. It's two and a half hours from my house. I love Sam Rayburn. I'm a little concerned about what the weather might be like. It might be sleeting sideways and 30 mile an hour wind or something like that, but it might be 70 degrees. So it's kind of a wild card, but I love the fact that we're going to Sam Rayburn. Thanks, James, man. I look forward to catching up with you again on the water soon. For now, enjoy some rest. Once again, congratulations. Bass Edge Radio will return right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Kurt, in all of the discussions that you and I have concerning the upcoming episodes and right before we actually get on air, it always amazes me how we think they're going in one direction, yet they go in another. And quite honestly, that conversation with James, I think all of us kind of discovered something about working through that process, that self-coaching, that self-discussion. I don't think any of us saw that one coming. Definitely not. But as soon as we began to discuss it, I started seeing the fundamentals of it in my own fishing. And I really do believe that's something that can help us all as anglers to really verbalize it. You know, it's one thing to have a thought process, a mental thought process, but I think everything is that much more pronounced and that much more cemented or concreted into your actions if you do actually verbalize things. So, you know, I learn a lot that way. When I was in college, high school, and even doing things now, when I verbalize things, I remember them. And I think that's super important. And not only remember them, I follow them and kind of reveal what my true inner thought process is. So I'm going to look to do that. And I think that all Bass Edge Nation should probably look to do that. We might look a little crazy out there, but hey, look, if you're chasing green fish for a living or just running out there for the weekends and chasing green fish, we all have a little something loose in our head. Maybe. That's, <laughs> because, that's right. Because it can be frustrating at times, no doubt. That's right. Diana always asked me, uh, don't they make a prescription or something, medication for your addiction? Uh, yet to be found. But I will say, I totally agree with you. I think James hit it on the head. I do 
also think we've got to look seriously at this next round of these younger anglers that are making such a big splash? Maybe, Kurt, we have to have a uh, young up-and-comer, maybe a college angler on in the near future. So I'll turn that one over to you. But in the meantime, something else I've got to turn over, and that is getting this episode turned over so that we can move on about our day and let Bass Edge Nation get back to what they're doing. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. We know you have a lot of choices in how you spend your time, but be sure to stay abreast with us. Send those questions in to all of our social media or through BassEdge.com. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 